So anyway, if you open to Revelation 14. Now in Revelation 14, I will read it and we'll pray, but I just want to kind of say we're still in that middle section, that three and a half years into the tribulation. And by the way, you're going to find out at the end of this, there's not that much. As we come out the other side, the seven bowl judgments, Jesus Christ deals with Babylon, um, which is the Antichrist kingdom. He comes back, Armageddon. He sets up his kingdom, and we live happily ever after. And then we get a peek into the after the kingdom age, which is nowhere in the Old Testament. There's only you know, a chapter and a half, uh, two chapters in the whole Bible that deal with what happens after the kingdom age. And so it kind of unfolds pretty fast. You say, I'm not promising anything. Um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll cover it all. We don't get here very often, so I like to you know, slow right down and gear right down and make sure a lot of people have a lot of questions about Revelation. If you have them before the study, great. If you have them after the study, I've failed. Okay? And even we're using Wednesday nights to kind of augment our Sunday morning studies. If you can't be here, I hope you're at least taking some opportunity sometime during the week to, to like, you know, take a time, listen to that. They're on Facebook. Uh, I think Micah posts them to the web at some point. Is that true or not? It, he's nodding in a manner that would signify correct, that is right. So, you know, they're available. You know what I'm saying? They're available. So, and I think it, it's not, I'm not saying it's my great teaching. You know me better than that. I'm saying it's, it's, it's I'm, if I'm nothing else, I'm thorough. And I think that it's a benefit to, to know and to understand. And if people have questions about things that are going on in the world, they have questions about revelation. If you can answer and come up with something that not just what everyone else says, that especially dumb stuff that everyone else says, but if you actually can tell them, okay, this is how it's going to play out, people will listen. Okay, Revelation chapter 14, I'll read the whole chapter. We won't go over the whole chapter because we went over like the first 13 verses last week, so we'll start in verse 14. Chapter 14, verse 1. I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps, and they sung, as it were, a new song. Before the throne, and before the four beasts, and the elders, and no man could learn that song, but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth, these were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And I saw another angel fly to heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, earth and the sea and the fountains of waters and there followed another angel saying babylon has fallen has fallen a great city because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication and the third angel followed them saying with a loud the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels 
and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascended up forever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. And behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat, like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. He that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle, from the altar which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horses' bridles, by the space of a thousand six hundred furlong. Okay, a lot of reaping, a lot of uh, sickles, a lot of harvesting, a lot of stuff going on here. Um, before we jump in, we should beseech God's blessing on our time in the Word, because I think our chances of going sideways are, are myriad. You can fall in a thousand different angles. You can only stand up at one. So let's let's pray for the being the right, right in the middle of the right road theologically. Father, I, we take your word seriously. We're here. Beautiful summer day you've given us. We could be doing 101 things, and where are we? We're here listening to your word for it, Lord, the clarion call that is here, the, the clarity. Um, a lot of people have a lot of ideas about this, Lord. We want to know the right one, and I'm not pretending that I know everything. You know, you know better than that. I'm not one who brags and about, but Lord, we, we believe your word says something, and you've given this to us for a purpose. So let's spell it out, uh, uh, gear it down so that we can all understand in the way that is a benefit to, for us knowing this. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 13 is beast. Two beasts. Uh, there's an idol. You've got you to gotta bow down. You've got to worship. But you're in deep weeds. What do you mean? You'll, you're not going to be able to buy or sell. You've got to receive the mark. And the questions come, does everyone receive the mark? And chapter 14 will answer that. No, uh, upon the pain of death. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not getting your mark. I'm not, I ain't having it. You're going to just have to live without it. Well, you ain't going to live, is what they'll say back. And then we'll kill you. And you'll say, won't you threaten me with a good time? Here's the patience of the saints. Bless, and look at verse 13. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, yea, say the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. What happens if you receive the mark? Oof, that's such a bad choice. You'll be able to buy and sell, but you are beyond salvation at this point. And I don't say that lightly. 
I don't say that lightly. I'm not one who, you know, I know God is. I know how forgiving he is. I know it in my own life. I know it personally. I don't know it even secondhand. I know that, and, and I'm talking about a time where you've made a choice, a bridge too far, as it were. Uh, you've gone to a place where there's no salvation after that. And I think this is what's being said in verses 9 and 10 and 11. Uh, you know, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark at his forehead and in his hands, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out with a mixture into the cup of his indignation. He's going to be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. Yeah, but just for a while, you burn up. You disintegrate. You're all done. I don't see that. I see in the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. They have no day nor night who worship the beast in his image and whoso receiveth the mark of his name. It is the point. Choose. You know, there's not 173 decisions. There's not, you know, we don't see any other religion. We see the truth and we see the false. And Satan's only going to have one false at this time. You're worshiping me and that's it. Uh, or you're going to worship the true God and not receive the mark. And like I say, and will you pay for it with your life? Well, some will make it through into the kingdom age. Some will. There is a sheep and goats judgment that we'll get to. But I don't think that's going to be a very big number, I would think. But we'll see. Okay, they're going to rest from their labors and their works to follow them. What does that mean? Death. Heaven. <laughs> you can lay your burden down. Uh, what you've done for the Lord... That, that's going to go on ahead. Don't, don't you worry. God knows who uh, his. He knows what's been done in his behalf. Now, chapter uh, 14, verse 14. I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And upon the cloud, one sat like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and his hand is sharp. About this personage. Uh, you know, if you just had to guess, who would you guess? Jesus. The Son of Man. He's like the Son of Man. He has a crown on his head. He's going to reap the earth. Didn't he say that many times in his Gospels? You know, the, 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 the uh, wheat and the tares judgment. Uh, angels are involved in that, and here they're involved in that as well. Um, he's sitting upon a cloud. I think this is the Shekinah, the, the cloud, the glory cloud that children of Israel, well, I should say, led the way of the children of Israel through the wilderness. We see it crop up many times in Scripture. When Solomon built the temple, the, the glory cloud descended, so much so the priest couldn't even minister there. It went away dramatically in the book of Ezekiel as the nation turned from the living God. cloud left the temple. Uh, I think it was uh, with Jesus on the, the um, it, it was the cloud that came down on the Mount of Transfiguration that enveloped Jesus and he shone like the sun, brighter than the sun. You remember that? I think this is that cloud, but I could be wrong. Look and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like the Son of Man, having on his hand a golden crown, his hand a sharp sickle. When you read about him in Revelation chapter 1 and we see Jesus, how he looks there, on his head, it's white like wool, right? We remember, but there's no crown, and he's not carrying a sickle. Two things are evident here. He's moving out in judgment, sickle, and he's got a crown. He's getting ready to rule. Well, that's consistent with what we know. Satan's kingdom is coming to an end. The time of the Gentiles is going to be over. Jesus is going to have his way. He's going to set up his kingdom in Mount Zion. You know the majority of what's called Christendom, 
does not believe in a literal kingdom. They pray for it. They pray for something they don't even believe in. Please, somebody, somewhere, explain that to me. I've never understood it. I've never understood it. Uh, As soon as I got saved, I can't remember since I've been saved, you know, February 14th, 1980, a time when I didn't believe in the literal kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we'll look at them when we get to uh, chapter 20. And the only thing that chapter 20 adds to it is a thousand years. It's all through the Old Testament, but it talks about a very long age. It never mentions a thousand specifically. In chapter 20, I think it says it six times trying to get us, give us the idea it's going to be a thousand years. On Mount Zion, Jesus Christ, how we're looking forward to that. You're going to rule and reign with him. Again, many scriptures. And when we look at that, we'll go over a lot of those scriptures and we'll use our Wednesday night studies to really, you know, we'll, there's quite a bit of scripture about that. So here he's ha- he has a crown on his head. He's getting ready to rule. But before his rule, he's getting ready to reap. Another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice. We've got a lot of angels. We've got a lot of sickles here. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, there's 12 sickles, I think, all in Scripture, and there's like seven in these few passages. There's four alone in this chapter. And it's easy to get confused. Another angel, another angel, and this angel said to the angel before. And so we'll try to sort it all out. I think if you follow it systematically, it works out pretty good. So this other angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Jesus, thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. These are the ones who will not. And I think this reaping is the reaping of the righteous, the ones who are not going to receive the mark. At this point, many are, as we'll find out later on in Revelation, they lose their heads, literally, for not taking the mark. Um, For the time is come for the reap, the harvest of the earth is ripe. He that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle of the earth, and the earth was reaped. Gruesomely, but reap. It's not a good time to be alive. Um, You didn't receive Christ before the tribulation, it's a what, what can be said. Um, but there's still salvation available um, at this, even at this late date. Again, not to those who received the mark. And we'll find out about them in uh, chapter 16. Uh, upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, upon them which worshipped his image. So this grievous mark, it's kind of like a running, sore, pus dripping out, oozing, painful, nasty bit of business, that is. But we'll get there. But to the others, death by martyrdom and heaven. And labors, works following. Uh, Works the idea of, uh, you know, you're going to be rewarded for what you've done. Salvation isn't a reward. Salvation is not a reward. You people, you're Calvary Chapel, for goodness sake, you know this. But people are online and they're listening. And I just always want to emphasize that salvation is not a reward. America thinks it is. And they think it is for basically drawing breath. Ah, he's a good guy. People die. Ah, he's in a better place. Sometimes that's true. But most of the time it's not. And, And we know that. And it's 
Well, let's keep moving. He that sat on the cloud thrust and sickle of the earth, the earth was reaped, and other angels out of heaven. Came out of the temple which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle. He came out of the what? The temple in heaven. Well, I thought the temple was sacked and hasn't been rebuilt. And on the top of like the temple mount right now, now there's no temple there. That's correct. That's correct. Will there be? Well, that is going to be with the abomination that causes desolation that Jesus spoke about is going to take place. Um, again, I think Paul teaches that in Second Thessalonians. He talks about you know the the beast setting up an image of himself and making everyone bow down and worship. Uh, I think that's absolutely going to happen. It's not there today. Tabernacle is a a copy of that which was made in heaven. And I don't have time to develop that idea, but we see it all through Scripture when when God tells Moses when he sends when he's up receiving the Ten Commandments, he says make he. He came down with the Ten Commandments and I think blueprints for the Ten Make a copy of the things that you see in heaven. There's a heavenly temple. There's a heavenly altar. There's a heavenly throne. There's a heavenly... All that stuff that you see in the temple, it's, it's the same. It's made, it's made from... It's, it's a shadow of something and the substance, the, 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 what it's a shadow of is the heavenly. So this other angel came out of uh, the temple, which is... He also having a sharp sickle. By the way, sickle, I should explain, right? You understand, it's like a stick with a crooked knife on the end. Like you, you think about the, the Grim Reaper, you know, that like skeletal guy, and he's got that big stick, and he's, got, you know, he's a hooded figure, because death is nasty, right? Um, not really. Uh, we'll get a funeral today. We'll talk about that at the... Uh, no, the day of your death is better than the day of your birth, says so in Ecclesiastes, and I think that's one of the verses we'll look at. And, um, if you believe in me, Jesus says, you'll never die. You'll change address, to be sure, and you'll be out of our sight, and we'll be very sad that we won't see you for a while. But we don't grieve like those who have no hope. Anyway, this guy has a sharp sickle, Another angel came out of the altar. Man, this is an angelic book, right? Another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire. That's a good superpower to have, right? Power over fire. Well, he came out from the altar. Which altar? Is it the altar? Like, is there an altar in heaven that, like, like that's the the true, and and the one that's on earth is like, is it? Well, what? Which altar is it? Is it the altar of like sacrifice? You know, where they. They brought their lambs and their oxen and, and actually sacrificed goats and pigeons and everything on this altar? Or is it the altar of incense? They both would have fire. Just from everything that we understand, I think it's the altar of incense, but I could be wrong. All it says here is from another angel came out from the altar, the heavenly one, which had power over fire, and he cried with a loud voice, and he, and he cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vines, the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. Now, what you don't understand here, uh, reading it in English, it's kind of fully, it's gone by. They're dry. They're almost turning to raisins. You gotta, it, why is that? Why, I mean, if, 
you, okay, let's say that is as I'm teaching it. Why is that so? Maybe because God's kind of reluctant to finally drop the hammer, to finally say, okay, that's it, no more. You remember, I think it's in the book of Joel, it talks about this whole time. It calls this God's work his strange work. I mean, we think of Jesus as, you know, soft-spoken carpal, you know, except raising the dead, except, you know, everywhere he goes, he's given new arms and new legs to people who don't have them. Oh, you got leprosy? Well, leprosy be gone, and he's reaching out, and he's ministering, and only helpful all the time. And here he's moving out, and there's judgment, and there's pain, and there's bad stuff happening. It's late. It's really past time. And God's like, not, listen, you know what? You, you need to know about God. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He's not like, aha, you've sinned, now I got you, and, and he lowers the boom on us. He's not like that. He's a lovingly heavenly, he's a loving heavenly Father. He loved a begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And here it's like, come on, it's time. It's like way time. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast into the great winepress of the wrath of God. I think the first reaping was reaping of the second winepress, the wrath of God. That doesn't sound very pleasant, Adam. Oh, I don't think it is. And can I give you a couple of examples of this in the Old Testament? Oh, I was hoping you would. Jeremiah chapter 25. Jeremiah chapter 25 and verse, well, 30 is what I want to focus on. Uh, verse 27, let's kind of lead into it a little bit. Therefore thou... Thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Drink ye and be drunken, and spew and fall, and rise no more, because of the sword which I will send among you. It shall be, if they refuse to take the cup at thine hand to drink, thou say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Ye shall certainly drink. What cup are we talking about? The cup of God's wrath. The one that Jesus took on the cross and drank to the dregs on your behalf. The wrath of God, it's in, it's in a cup. We see this, this symbology all through Scripture, right? Oh, no, no, no. You're definitely going to drink. I, I, yeah, well, too late for that. For lo, I, bring to, I begin to bring evil on the city, which is called by my name. And should ye be utterly unpunished, ye shall not be unpunished. For I will call for a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth, saith the Lord of hosts. So this is much more than Jerusalem. This goes out to the inhabitants of the whole earth. That sounds like to me, like the great tribulation. Doesn't it sound like that to you? Let's skip chapter, uh, verse 30 for inhabitants of the earth again, right? Verse 31, noise shall come even to the ends of the earth, for the Lord hath a controversy with the nations. He will plead with all flesh. He will give them that are wicked to the sword, saith the Lord. We're still talking about that cup, the cup of God's wrath. Adam, you said that if it was eschatological, there would be a symbol like a, you know, like a, like uh, labor pains or that day or in that day or something like that. Verse 32, thus saith the Lord of hosts, behold, evil shall go forth from nation to nation and a great whirlwind shall be raised up from the coast of the earth and the slain of the, earth shall, the, slain of the Lord shall be at that 
day, eschatological, there you go. He says, it's funny how that works out. You Wednesday night people are saying, man, every time. I know, right? Because the Holy Spirit wants us to understand. So he always gives a marker, always puts an indicator in there so we know that it's not talking about some uh, time that was going to happen back day, eschatological, or as we would say, means the end of the end times, the end of all things, the days that we're in the run-up to right now. The slain of the Lord shall be at that day from one end of the earth even unto the other end of the earth. They shall not be lamented, neither gathered nor buried. They shall be dung upon the ground. Boy, have we read that several places in Scripture. Let's go back to verse 30. Therefore, prophesy thou again his voice from his holy habitation. Sounds very Revelation-like. He shall mightily roar upon his habitation. He shall give a shout as they that tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. And I think that's what we're looking at. In Revelation chapter 14. So Revelation 14, it's kind of like zips ahead to the end. We're in the middle of the tribulation as we're studying through. And then we see on Mount Zion, a thousand, they all made it through. It's a, it's a kind of a, a, a look ahead to what happens. And it's also a look ahead to what happens to the unrighteous, the unredeemed. And it's talking about that, that harvest that's, that's taking place in Revelation 14 is at the end. People will go their way and they'll still be rebelling against God and it will go from bad to worse. He's going to pour out the bowls of wrath, etc., etc. They won't repent. They're going to blaspheme his name. Pretty. What do you mean not pretty? Well, let's look at Isaiah. And we've gone here like on Wednesday nights, but on Sunday morning, because this is just one of those verses that I can't kind of get away from. I think it spells it out really good. Isaiah chapter 63. Isaiah 63. As it's a beautiful chapter. It's so wonderful. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Chapter uh, 61. Good tidings to the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Uh, verse, chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. So all these great things happen. And, and right in the middle of this, chapter 63... Who is this that cometh from Edom? By the way, why, what Edom? What is Edom? Jordan. Why is Jesus coming from Jordan? Because as we learned, Matthew 24, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, flee to the mountains. Well, if you flee east, you're going to flee into the, well, across Gaza, into the Mediterranean, okay? Uh, the mountains, the closest to Jerusalem, are in Jordan. If you go to the south, you're going to run into the desert, the Negev, and eventually into Egypt. South is uh, is hills of Galilee, not really mountains per se, and above that is Lebanon, uh, Syria. We know these things, but if you go west, you'll be in mountains, and specifically, I think, Petra. Well, Adam, why do you say that? Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? It's Petra, okay? You know it better as Petra. Uh, I, gee, I wonder who it is, by the way. Who is this? I mean, that's the question we have on the table. Who's this guy coming from Edom, coming from Basra, right? This that is glorious in his apparel. Hmm, that narrows it down. The greatness of his strength. And the answer comes from that being, that one, I that speak in righteousness. Huh, that narrows it down quite a bit. Uh, mighty to save. Oh, my goodness, that narrows it down to the one. That's Jesus Christ. So we hear Jesus Christ coming from 
uh, Jordan, coming from Basra, mighty to save. Where's he? What's he doing over there? Well, he's saving. He's delivering his people, the ones that he told to flee to the mountains, the Antichrist. And it's not going to be pretty. You know, we think of Jesus meek and mild. Think of him like Gideon. Think of him like a mighty warrior. Think of him like, because when he comes back, you remember when he came the first time? People slapped him in the face and they spit on him. Is that going to happen again? (laughs) Not so much. No, I'm afraid. That ship is sailed. The first coming and the second coming of Jesus Christ are stark. He was the lion. Now he's the... I mean, he was the lamb, the lamb that died for our sins. Now he's the lion that is not to be messed with. He is, well, wherefore art thou red in thine apparel? Dude, you got, y'all, you're all red. And your garments, like him that treadeth in the wine vat. You look like you've been crushing grapes. I have trodden the wine press alone. And of the people... There was none. I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments and I will stain all my raiment. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? This is wonderful stuff. Am I going to go get lunch after? This is good stuff, right? It's a, a little levity because it's serious stuff. It's not It's not fun. It's not frivolous. It's not, I can't paint a happy face on this sermon. At the, at the end of the stand against God at your own peril. I won't submit. Yeah. Uh, the way I look at it, it's not going to go well. Why? Why can't he just leave me alone? Oh, it doesn't work that way. Look, for the day of vengeance is in my heart. You know where it says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord? I never thought vengeance is bad. It's just not yours. It's just not mine. Okay? Well, somebody sinned against me. They deserve... God will take care of that. Only, always, nobody gets away with anything. You say, well, I don't like to hear the sound of that. I've done some bad things. Yeah, welcome to my life. And... Nobody got away with anything. Jesus paid the penalty for the things that I did bad on the cross. And that's how I get out from under judgments like this. Again, it's the day of vengeance, the day of the wine of the wrath of God, poured out without mixture. Here, Adam, drink up. Uh Uh-uh, somebody drank already. That's the right answer, by the way. Imagine standing before God and not being in, that, in those shoes, not being able to say, Jesus drank on my behalf. It's going to be, well, it's going to be this. For the day of vengeance is in my heart and the year of my redeemed has come. And I looked and there was none to help and I wondered there was none to uphold. And aren't we coming back with him? Aren't like angel armies coming back with him? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, he's acting like he's doing this all by himself. Well, can I get in the fray? It's not your fight. I'm trying to tell, tell you something here. Vengeance isn't bad. It's just the Lord's. He's going to do this. He, he's, when somebody sinned against you, they sinned against him. Do you remember when, uh, I can point this out. Remember when David took Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, and, oh, 
man, we love David. And that's such a sad story, isn't it? Every time I read it, I hope it has a different ending. It never does. Anyway, we, we read this and stuff. And when he comes to himself, he says, against you and you alone have I sinned. You say, wait a second. He sinned against the whole kingdom. He certainly sinned against Uriah. He sinned against Bathsheba. He even sinned against himself. And how does he say, against you and you alone have I sinned? Because God said, thou shalt not commit adultery. God said, thou shalt do no murder. That's why it's all sin ultimately is against God. Even if it's performed against you, it's against God. And God doesn't like forget stuff. He's not like dawdling, you know, old. I, I remember, like I say, nobody gets away with anything. And if you knew, like, what it is to fall into the hands of a, of a vengeful, angry God, you would be praying for people all the time. He's just. I tell you this, he's just. It, it's not like, people think like, ah, he's benevolent grampy. He's not. The reason I'm saved is because somebody else picked up the tab. It's not because God let loose ends float around like, ah, you did the best you can, Adam, come on in. What are you talking of, Scripture? And a lot of people, our peers, our friends, the people we work with, our family members, they believe in it, and it shouldn't. They should never believe that. There's payday someday, and either Jesus paid it, or, or the day of vengeance is my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. I looked, there was none to help, and I wondered there was none to uphold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury, it upheld me. And I will tread down the people in mine anger and make them drunk in my fury, and I will bring down their strength to the earth. Yikes. Sounds pretty serious. It is. Again, I can't make a happy, happy face on the end of this. Uh, do I love talking about this? I don't. I don't. But I don't think God wants editors. I just think he wants proclaimers. Now back to chapter 14, verse 20. I, oh my goodness, this is crazy. I'm going to get out on time for once. One more verse, okay? I know, I know, but we only had seven verses, so I, okay. Uh, chapter in press was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horses' bridles, by the space of a thousand six hundred furlongs. And you'll have something there, it'll say undoubtedly two hundred miles or something like this. A furlong, by the way, is six hundred feet. Um, a thousand six hundred furlongs is actually between 183 and 184 miles. And if you want to know the distance to Petra from Jerusalem, you can check it out your own self. Adam, that may be, but if we're talking about that much bloodletting, even up to the horse's bridles, and by the way, how wide? People said there's not that much blood on the entire earth. I think it's a bloodletting, and that horse's bridles, I think like, okay, as you like stepping on grapes, they spur up is the idea. I think that's what we're looking at, the horse's bridles, not like, what is a horse's bridle like? Well, it depends if he has <laughs> how tall a horse is and if he has his head up or his head down. But, you know, think of the bit that's in his mouth, the bridle. Uh, okay, four-ish feet, let's say five feet. I'm talking about, like, not the whole 200, 183-ish, 184 miles. I'm talking about, you know, that's how high the, the, the... And I think it's... You want to take this, like, and measure and try to... I, I think it's trying to give us an idea. It's a huge bloodletting. It's going to be painful. It's going to be... 
We're talking about the wrath of God, the right, righteous indignation of a God who's been offended, who gave his only begotten son. And all the people who basically said, Jesus, we don't care. Him dying, yeah, common criminal. Don't care about it all. And God just, oh, you don't, do you? Okay. Say he's really like that? He's just, and we've all sinned. This is a good day to get saved. If I if I was you and I didn't know any better, I mean, if I was there and I wasn't here and I didn't know Savior, I'd say, oh, well, this is nasty. How do I get out of this? Not to go to hell is a good reason to get saved. It was mine. I, I, it was my. I didn't. I don't, oh, I love God, and I think He's so awesome. He's such a great. He's gracious. He's good. He's our loving Heavenly Father. He's Creator. He's incredible. He's He's got it all. He's a, and, and 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 He would have me in His kingdom. Well, where do I sign up? I wish it was that way. It wasn't. I just didn't want to go to hell. I'm not telling you. Listen, I'm just going to be honest. I said hell is nasty, and a friend of mine said, you know, you're going to hell, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, very probably true. Very and I was trying to do religion. That'll never bring you closer to God. No, you guys all know that You because you're close to God. You didn't do it the religious way. You just threw yourself into the arms of a gracious God and said, forgive me. Jesus died for me. And he said, I'm waiting for that prayer for a whole long, you have no idea. And that's 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 it. So chapter 14, uh, don't don't play with God. Don't. No, we don't think you're cute for being a rebel. Be a super rebel. Believe in Jesus Christ, because the rest of the world's not doing that. See the blessing, and we'll pray. And our illustrious worship leaders will. By the way, I, I thought that was fine. I, I I like that. That's. You can tell me a story. I hope it's funny, so I can pass it on. Anyway. Injuries are never funny, but, well, I'm a safety guy. Some are. Anyway, let's pray. (laughs) We love you. We thank you for this great salvation. We don't like talking about your wrath. It shakes us to our core. We're just glad we're not not part of that. Thank you for saving us, for loving us, for caring about us, for bringing us into your ark of, of safety, adopting us into your forever family, as it were. And Lord, if there's those in this, here in the sound of my voice, whether either here or, or, or on the you know, broadcast on Facebook this morning, Lord, in the privacy of their own heart, just reach out to you for salvation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee.